All right, we're going to get started here. Thank you to everyone for tuning in to our live OmniTalk webinar today. We are pleased to bring you our special report in our OmniTalk Spotlight series, the series where we focus on the companies, the people, and the technologies that are shaping the future of retail. And today, we are joined by a special friend of ours at OmniTalk, Mark Gramazian, the co-CEO of American Dream. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, this, this is a blast. We've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now. The demand's been pretty high. I'd like to say too, for those listening live, if you have a question, feel free to type it into the chat box, the Q&A section, excuse me. Ann and I are gonna try to monitor that box as we go along here and bring your questions live to Mark as they come in. So please, please don't be shy. And we'll also have some time, hopefully at the end for questions as well. So, all right, Mark, well, let's get started. I think yeah. to, to set the table, Tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of. Your background's really unique. Tell us you know, who you are, where you're from, what's your, sure. your career history been, all that stuff. Yeah, um, I grew up in Edmonton. Um, so one, I'm a, in Canada, so I'm one okay. huge Edmonton Oiler fan. Okay, during the Gretzky um, years, all right, nice. Yeah, I, I got a little bit of that, um, but uh, still watch every Oilers game here, and my boys are big Oilers fans as well, so. So it's, it's been really, really fun. And specifically when they come to New York, we try to do the roadshow between the New Jersey Devils, New York Rangers, and uh, the New York Islanders when they're here. So that's a lot of fun. And, mm -hmm. But then uh, I, I immediately, as I got older and, and out of school, I got really into startups and tech and um, started playing around with a few ideas of my own. Um, and then most recently um, in the past i would say 10 plus years i started a company at the time it's called appoy um and it was really focused on how we can take data from websites and apps and use that for the marketer to build engagement with their customers um that company i was the co-founder and, and founding ceo for about 10 years um grew that company um, we're now doing an excess of 100 million in revenue and that's public um more than 500 um, employees throughout the country. And, it, and we're powering a lot of, probably a lot of people, listeners here have apps on their phones and I'm sure you have Domino's Pizza, you have SoundCloud, um, and a lot of even the retailers, we're powering a lot of the communication that that retailer powers to you as an end customer. So the push notification you get, okay. the email you get, and, and um, we had this vision, and you can get into Omnichannel a little bit, but we had this vision that when apps came out, it was about the customer journey is going to shift and change between your mobile device, which today can be your watch, your phone, and then your desktop and your laptop, whereas before it was very centralized to your laptop. So we take all that data and then we provide this platform for marketers to create these um, personalized messaging across all the different types of messaging. So push messaging, email, even pop-ups on your website. So I did that for about 10 years and, and uh, that got me really into data, technology, scaling, and thinking about business differently. Um, yeah. It was a venture-backed company. I'm still operating today. It's, it's called Braze today. Um, and 
And then I, uh, after that, I left and started a company called Four Post, which was the concept was how do we lower the barrier of entry for so many of these great brands? Um, and I just felt like the concept of um, leasing space and starting a retail brick and mortar was hard, but I still believed in brick and mortar. Um, I just felt the, the way that we conduct our business and getting into it had to change. Mm-hmm. So we raised money um, and built a team, and that's how I met you guys. Um, yep. We opened our first location in Mall of America, and it was great. We had uh, over 100 different brands participating, um, some of the best direct-to-consumer brands like um, uh, Quip, um, Untucket, um, MeUndies, um, and, uh, but it was hard. It was still hard in that we needed to bring people to the store. We needed to operate the store. And we skinned the cat all day on the business model of how do we make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing for my taking from that was that the data is what everybody was really interested in. Right. Um, who are my customers? What are they saying about my product? Um, what insights are you gathering about what they're buying with my product? Um, and, and we tried to turn that into a data platform for the brands, but I think at the end of the day, it was getting difficult in the market to raise another round. Um, and we then decided to sunset that business. Um, and uh, fortunately, I was able to kind of think of, okay, we have a great team here. What can we, where can we go? What can we do? And, and uh, that's where I joined American Dream um, and brought a lot of that thinking um, into American Dream, which which obviously today is, is the forefront of, of retail and, and changing the way they work and what they do and always pushing the limits. But we felt that there was a huge gap in the thinking of like, well, where does technology come in? Where's the digital strategy? Um, and that's really my focus as co-CEO. We brought on a CTL, we brought on a product and engineering team, I brought a data team, um, and we started reshaping the way marketing's thinking um, and how it connects with leasing and the experiences and all that stuff. So a lot to talk about, uh, especially with COVID and, and how that's accelerating a lot of that. Right. Yeah. A ton to talk about too. And yeah, I, 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 um, kudos to you for sharing. I think the four post story too. I think there's a lot of interesting information there, especially in terms of, you know, what that implies and a lot of people in that space. And if, if we have time to love to get into that more too, but I think the, you know, the focus here being kind of that last point you just said is, you know, how do you take all that collective experience now and, think about forming something differently fresh from the ground up based on everything you've done with data really at the core of trying to understand what it is that the modern consumer wants, especially out of a physical type mall based or experience based uh, going. So, so set the table again. I think that was good to hear what is and has been American dream. Like, when did this whole thing start and like, where is it now? And let's talk about, put all of that in context. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to shift into COVID. We're already getting questions about how you're thinking about that here. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to that point. So, you know, set the table there as well. Yeah. I, I, I think what was, uh, <laughs> that was it, it, everyone can read about Xanadu and that whole world. And I try not to focus too much on that. Um, and then what is and where we're going is where I'm, I'm really excited. I, I think, uh, Triple Five and, and the team at American Dream have taken the best of West Ham's Mall, the best of Mall of America, and put it together and, and even weighed heavier 
on entertainment where today I, I, I want to say that 50, 55% of American dream is entertainment and, and food versus um, all of America. And don't, I could be wrong on, on that yeah, no, numbers, but I think like directionally 30% is, is entertainment and food. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, I'm a, I like to plan ahead. I like to think about the future. So uh, I think what, where we are today at American dream is, is the, the best platform in the world to get to where uh, retail and entertainment is going in the coming of five, 10 years. Um, what it is today still is mind boggling. It, it has the largest indoor water park in the world with DreamWorks. Um, and to me, having something like that, that's 10, 12, 15 minute drive from Manhattan is pretty wild. Um, and then you combine that with the Nickelodeon universe and you combine that with the indoor ski dome um, and the rink, Lego and Sequarium, um, and then all the best shopping and the food, like to, and, and having that all under one roof is really, really incredible. Um, so I think the, when you think about the formula of having entertainment like that with food and retail, it, it's a winning formula. Um, and, but for me, it's like, how do you break out of those four walls? Um, and how do you create experiences and a digital experience that's combining those two? And, and those are things that I'm thinking about today um, and have been thinking about, but I think with COVID, it's probably even accelerated that thinking in some ways. Mark, how are you describing American dream? Because I, I mean, I read one article where it's described as a retail theme park. So how do you, in your own words, like how should we be talking about it as you're thinking about kind of changing the the tenant mix? It's hard. You know, we, we talk about it internally. Um, Disneyland and so on are resorts. Um, Hotels are hotels. Right. Malls are malls. I, I, I like to say we're an experience center. Okay. So we want to get you in the mindset of when you come to American dream and even Mall of America, you're coming there to book your experience. And um, that experience can start at Nickelodeon, that experience can start at DreamWorks, that experience can even start by going to one of the food halls. Um, and, and, it, and it can also start with just wanting to shop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to think about it as if you're booking an experience and what we call it, is, I, I like to call it an experience like a place where you're going for an experience. It's, I don't know if we can call it a resort. Um, it's definitely not a mall. Um, and, uh, and, uh, but I'm trying to create that, that term of an experience and that's what this is. Um, so it's hard. And I think because we're at the forefront and defining it, we're pioneering it, um, for a third time, it's it's like, okay, what are we going to call ourselves? You know? Right. And the one thing you didn't say there, Mark, too, is it, I'm assuming, and I want to get into this more with you, especially in relation to COVID, but it probably also begins at home, yes? Like, yeah. like by way of that mobile device or digitally as well, right? How do, you, how do you think about that? Absolutely. So when we opened October with, in 2019 with um, Nickelodeon and The Rink, we started seeing many of our guests booking online okay. to come. So that experience needs to start online and you need to captivate the family or the people that are coming online and and kind of sell that experience and what they're doing. Um, So we actually don't have an app today. Um, 
and uh, and we had one when I got in, um, but I scraped it because it, to me it was just a directory, mm-hmm. um, and I I just didn't believe in that that people want are going to download an app for a directory. Um, right. They have to have a reason to download the app, and then they have to have a reason to keep it, um, which is really hard to do if you're just a straight black and white shopping center. Um, and for me, it was, if you're going to come to the shopping center, you're going to download our experience center. Um, if you're going to come in, um, you're going to download the app because perhaps when you're going on Nickelodeon, all the pictures that you went on the rides are now uploaded in there. You can see where your kids are. Um, there's a lot more that I want to integrate into it. Um, maybe you can upgrade your tickets um, and maybe that's where you're shopping and it's combined with the wristband. So there's a lot more that I want to do where the journey of coming in starts at the mall, starts in the app where you're booking the experience, creating your profiles. We understand when you come in, combine that with our experiences and then showing you where you've shopped and almost creating that itinerary experience for you inside. Um, so those are things that we're thinking about. And I think just the digital, the digital is a whole world. And, and I think um, department and team that we want to kind of double down on outside of just being a traditional shopping center website with the directing hours and sales that are happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to ask you more about that too, because I actually just wrote an article in Forbes about the future of malls where a lot of that, I think starts coming yeah. into play. And now is the time to try to experiment with that too. But before we do that, how does, all of what you said makes a ton of sense, but how then does retail actually fit into this? You know, as much as this is a retail story and this is, we are a retail yeah. blog and service, how does that retail actually fit into it? And I'm curious too, in your mind, not only how, but what type of retail? Yeah. Um, because, so, you know, this is very different than what we've heard before. Retail is still a big component of it. I, I well, obviously we really believe in retail, I, but I do think retail on its own is very difficult, but retail with experiences is almost like one plus one equals three. Mm-hmm. Retail is huge. I think when people are coming in and you're bringing them in, it need, it has to be there. It's, it's still in our DNA. I think like a lot of people saying that retail is dead, retail is dead, um, is not true. I, I think like obviously COVID's threw a curveball into sure. the whole situation, but there are still really great brands and retailers out there that are doing phenomenal and that COVID may accelerate the ones that were hoping to turn a corner and couldn't and and had their own issues that maybe they brushed under the rug or carpet. Um, This is probably exposing a lot of them, but at the end of the day, I think it's, it's, it's probably a positive direction where it's going to make a lot of the best retailers even get better. And the ones that maybe weren't innovating as much as they should have to innovate more. Um, retail is a big component of it. We, we have three, 400 stores um, that are opening with us. But again, if how we, how we merge their story with our entertainment and getting the fabric to be one is going to be really important to us. So it's, it's not separate storytelling. It's one storytelling. And that's where it's, it really comes together. 
Mark, how about the footprints of some of those stores? I mean, I know you mentioned earlier, you're kind of moving more towards a 70% entertainment, 30% retail. How does that play out once you get to those individual retailers? Are, are you finding that people are kind of trying to consolidate maybe what they would have had as a store footprint um, or how does that all play out? Yeah, and, and almost also want to rephrase like the 70% entertainment first, 30% retail. I think maybe that was taken out of context um, when okay. that came out. I think it's it's that we're seeing a lot of our retailers are going to add more experiences to okay. their existing retail. Hmm. Um, not that we're shuttering down the existing retail that's there because um, we have leases and 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 they're right. open with us. Um, right. But that being said. I think the way I would answer your question is, for example, Saks Fifth Avenue, they closed two other New Jersey locations to open at American Dream. And I think what we're going to see is that retailers already were closing stores and staying at the ones at the shopping centers and uh, places that were delivering on the sales that they needed. I think we're going to see more and more of that where they're going to continue to open larger, more experimental stores at centers like a Mall of America, Westlands Mall, and, and Mall American Dream, as compared to just having five stores within, I would say, a 50-mile radius, I think they're going to consolidate that to maybe one or two. Um, sure. And our bet is that they're probably going to consolidate and come to us. Sure. Um, more of a one-stop shop, the one plus one. And when you do that, they're going to be building it more of a, making it a so you have a purpose of why you're coming there um, and you have a reason to come. And, and that's where I get excited about if we can get everything kind of going with experience together with the stores, um, I think it can get really, really exciting. Well, and that's why digital, I think is so important too, because that's the through line that makes all those experiences that they're creating that hopefully are celebrating. I think what I'm hearing from you, this, the joy of shopping in a physical place. Yeah. So connected and complementary to one another in terms of what else you've got going on in there. Yeah. Set, set the timeline for us too, Mark. So when did you, let's dial back a little bit. When did you take the role as co-CEO? It was January, January 1st, 2020. Okay. So, so yeah, that's a t talk about a baptism by fire. Yeah. My God. Yeah. All right. So you take the role and then you guys opened to some degree, right? And how yeah, much so was opened, that? Prior to me joining, they opened, I want to say it was um, mid-October or late October of 2019. Okay. And, they, and they, they decided at that time to do it in phases, which I actually love. Um, it's almost like rolling out a new product in software. You right. roll out your first iteration, you get feedback, you iterate and you grow and you grow and like that you can, you can actually iterate based on customer feedback. So you're not just coming out with everything and then it's really hard to kind of grow and create a greater, better experience for your customers. So they did the Nickelodeon universe and the ice drink. Um, and then I think a month or so later they opened up big snow um, which by the way, if you, next time you're here, like I took my two kids and they never skied before. And just one trip, they were going up and down the bunny hill and they were going themselves. Um, it was, it, it was really incredible. Like you felt like you were in the middle of the mountains. Um, yeah. so I've never done that before. I know there's <laughs> one other one in Dubai, Yeah, right. Um, but it's, it's been, and you see people walking through holding their snowboards. Um, going in, which this is just so crazy. It's gotta um, be a blast to see. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and loves the Wisconsin Dells and water parks, but yeah, the snow, <laughs> the, the snow mountains inside of the mall, that's a totally different experience. So that was, I think that was about a November, late November, early December opening. Okay. Um, and then, um, 
And then we are planning March 19th to do the DreamWorks water park opening. We did several closed um, invite only testing prior to that. Okay. Um, and we had about, I want to say close to about a hundred different retailers that were going to open with us March 19th. Um, and uh, the momentum was incredibly strong getting there. Like I, we, we were the Sundays, Saturdays, weekends at Nickelodeon. We were at capacity every weekend. Um, so literally we closed the line just because we couldn't, we, we wanted to make sure we had a great experience for the customers inside the parks. And mm -hmm. It was crazy. And we closed the line for two hours and then we opened it up against and the ice rink, same thing, close the line. Um, we actually have it's sugar, which I think is a 20,000 square foot uh, candy store department store. If you want to call it that. Right. It's um, like three levels, right? Something. Yeah. Something and insane, the numbers right? that yeah. they're pushing out were greater than their four other stores combined. Um, so the, the notion of, of like is where's retail going like we were checking off all the marks and it, it was, we we're hitting all the right things um and then this COVID thing kind of came in and, and we decided before the government kind of told us that hey we should probably close this and and think about what we want to do mm -hmm. and before that happened what what type who who are the customers who was coming in like was it native new, new jersey native new yorkers was it mostly tourists like any percentages yeah, there so, or understand you have at this point? So we were looking at the data um, and obviously a lot of locals in the New Jersey market and, and a lot of New Yorkers coming in, but we were also starting to see a lot of the surrounding states, mm. people planning, which again is really, really interesting. People were buying tickets two, three, four weeks in advance, planning a trip with their kids to drive out there and come. Um, and I, I think that is so different than any other shopping center in our area where usually that's kind of like hey i'm going to the mall i'll be right back um, this is where they're booking that experience and coming and we're starting to see and we we're starting to do a lot of paid media online um, so that's something that i came in immediately what i did was it was a lot of traditional media um, we sunsetted a lot of that and started to do paid search and paid social um, and and we started kind of like testing how far out can we go, let's test 50 mile radius, 100 right. mile, going all the way to like 500 miles. And we started kind of seeing where our sweet spots and stuff, but we saw high conversion um, in excess of 100 miles from American Dream in terms of buying tickets to come to Nickelodeon, which is really, really phenomenal. Yeah, that's gotta be pretty rewarding too. Cause I imagine, I mean, just having the Mall of America in our backyard, just knowing uh, how strong that behavior is of seeing the people from Iowa and Nebraska make a trip of it, so to speak. That's got to be a, a reassuring uh, thing for you guys to see early on it's, as you guys were, you know, quote unquote, practice opening as you were describing it. So, um, okay, so COVID hits. Then what happens? How does, how, how, how did everything change? What were those first few weeks like? So I think the, the biggest hit that I think a lot of people don't talk about is the the um, the the mind and the health of the mind and 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 uh, the culture and the team. Mm -hmm. um, so I came in and trying to set a new culture where we're trying to operate like a startup and trying to be innovative and quick. Um, I literally changed a lot of the office layout where we made it open. Right. Uh, brought a lot of people onto one one floor. Um, 
and we started to create like this really great, um, I guess, synergies between the different departments. But then all of a sudden, that entire thing got deflated, um, where everybody now had to disperse, don't come to the office, work from home. Um, and uh, obviously, we have a lot of um, part-timers and hourly employees at the parks, um, which we had to furlough. Um, so I think that in itself, just uh, morale can go down really quickly. So I think the biggest thing for me at the time was really the morale and the mental health of our, our team members. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people are, are maybe, at least I don't see it talking about and how you work, do the, and how you kind of, and even for me, it was mentally hard, um, thinking about like, wow, like I can get my arms around it. Um, I just right. got in, I'm doing all these things. So I think that was the biggest challenge and still the biggest challenge today is the morale and keeping everyone focused on, on what we're doing and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, cause I think for all of us sitting here and listening and watching, um, we still don't know when this is going to end. Um, so that, that was the biggest thing. Second was, um, what are, what are our priorities now? Um, and, and, uh, what are the things that we should be focusing on now that we're a smaller group? What are the things that we can do that are effective and productive, um, working from home, which is new to a lot of people. And obviously many have children at home too. So these aren't the real, this isn't really how working from home is, right? Um, it's not like this. So, so, so it's, it's almost like, okay, what are the priorities today um, versus the priorities of what they were two months ago? Um, and for me, we've created what we call the punch list. And it's not a roadmap, it's a punch list. Um, and what are the things that maybe we pushed out a few months out or a year from now because we were operating? And someone on my team always says like, the plane is in the air and we're like fixing the plane while it's flying, which makes it pretty difficult to iterate and fix. But what about now that the plane's landed and it's got a pit stop? Um, there's a lot of things that we could potentially move up to the front of that roadmap, call it the punch list and punch those things out for it to get for when we're ready to take off. Um, so those are the things that we started to identify as a team um, and put that together. So I think those are the kind of two things. And again, it's, it's the mental health and keeping people focused and, and being aware of that with your team. And then it's, it's changing the priorities and the, and the focus that perhaps you may have had two months ago don't really pertain today. I love that you said that. And we've been writing a lot about that. And in, 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 in a lot of ways, this is a blessing in the sense of you can keep your eye on the long term. And now you have almost this free pass to do a lot yeah. of work in the short term to try to get there that you couldn't necessarily do before while you were operating. Yeah. I mean, not to put you on a spot a little bit. Like what are, what are some of those things? Like, and, and then we can get in the question of reopening, yeah. but like, what are the things you think you could do now? Maybe the three, five things we can just talk about that you think will matter for a long, for the long term that you can start getting the team to work on from the fact that they are remote, but you can start making really good ground on them. Yeah. I think the, the way I think about it is like human habits change. Right. And right. I, I think like we're, we were all in this kind of new schedule where our habits probably changed. Um, and I was saying, and before that I used to go on the Peloton once a week and now I'm going three times a week and I will probably try to continue doing that post COVID. Um, but I, I think like, what are the, and I, I think by saying, by talking about that people are now even more on their screens and I think they're expecting more from brands. I think they're expecting that connection to the brand. 
Um, and for me, the digital things that I wanted to build out over the course of maybe 12 or 18 months, I've now accelerated a lot of that. Um, I think we're in a unique position as a brand between Mall of America and American Dream, as well as Westland Mall, where we can have a very strong digital, um, um, uh, that's the word I'm looking for, presence. Yep. So in our minds before it was like, okay, we'll eventually come out with some e-commerce play or we'll come out with some curbside or what is our curbside? But I think we're in a unique position with the IP we have with Nickelodeon and DreamWorks and the Angry Birds mini golf that I would, I want, I really want to accelerate that e-commerce with that. Mm. Uh, I want to accelerate the curbside. Um, and is what is curbside is curbside for the retailers or is it curbside for our food vendors only? Mm. Um, we've started to dive into a lot of the software partners that can help enable that. Um, so I think the mindset of the team is now, wow, how do we break out of our four walls? Um, mm -hmm. Whereas the revenue that typically a center like ours is generating is all centralized inside the four walls. Mm -hmm. um, so in my mind, it's like, how do we break out of that? And those mm -hmm. are the things that we're doing and, and, and enabling between Mall of America and, and uh, American Dream. So a lot of that is what accelerated. I'd love to hear you say that in terms of breaking out, thinking digital first. Like, yeah, your touch yeah. point, because God knows for how long is going to be digital first and, and trying yeah. to get an e-commerce. I think one of the $64,000 questions on this, so I'm curious how you think about it, being a mall developer. Let's take curbside as the example, right? Sure, it makes sense. You know, we don't know when we're going to open. We don't know what degree we're going to open. We don't know what the safety procedures will look like. But curbside provides an outlet to still interact with the mall and all the tenants inside it. How do you think about that in terms of coordinating that? Is that your then role as the developer for you to put that face forward and they interact with you on that type of thing? Or is it something where I've seen other people go the route of, hey, I'll interact with every retailer on a case-by-case -case basis and pick up at said mall as an option within how that consumer Yeah, I think, I think your question is interesting. Literally, you talked about this yesterday. I, I think first, first a consumer purchasing online typically they're going direct to the brand. So if you're going on H&M or Zara, Warby Parker, um, you're going to interact with that brand directly digitally. Are you going to go to Mall of America or American Dream to interact with that brand and then make that curbside purchase? Um, maybe, maybe. So I don't know the answer to that today, um, but I do know you're going to H&M and, and Zara can we work with them on offering curbside if we recognize that that order is within a certain mile radius of us? And then we then facilitate that and create that last mile, um, if you think about it like that. That being said, I do think we are uniquely positioned, again, as a brand. Consumers know American Dream. Consumers know Mall of America. Do they know the other malls that they're going to shop at, do they view it as a consumer brand? I don't think so. Um, and I think we're uniquely positioned to do more than that last mile. Um, but to get the retailers on board, we're gonna have to go that extra mile um, to really get them to embrace what we're envisioning. But it has to happen in baby steps and maybe it's starting with the food and the food vendors because people are used to doing curbside and takeout um, with food. So 
and we have all these food carts and all these food vendors and partners in our malls and our shopping centers. Um, so is that where we start? And then maybe online it's, it's um, book online and pick up in person. Um, mm -hmm. I reserve online and buy online. So I, I think there's baby steps to get there. Um, mm -hmm. I think running a full logistics pack and ship and delivery is hard. And I think people underestimate that. Um, but again, we're uniquely positioned from a consumer brand to do that. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, like you look at our Instagram at American dream, we're only a few months or less than half a year old. And we are in excess of a hundred thousand followers. Um, go type in any other shopping center brand on Instagram and they probably have less than 10,000 or 20,000 followers as a brand, um, yeah. which to me is very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where I want to get on my soapbox yeah. too and actually say like, I hope, I think Ann agrees too. Like, I hope you push that envelope because yeah. I think you're right. I think, and I think the data shows this is that people, and I'm just going to, I, I wouldn't even throw out the retail, but people don't go to a retail anymore. If they're actually going to go to a mall, they're going to the mall. And yeah. that mall holds a specific reason why. And that's why I think you've seen like Mall of America be successful and the early indications of what you guys have going on there too. And so that affords you that position to tap into that psychology and be that front face uh, in a different way. And, yeah. and I, I don't know, my gut tells me too, that if you guys tried something like that, there's potentially retailers and food purveyors that you could pull along with you on that. And eventually to your point about data, show them data about how good it is for their business Absolutely. and everyone else will hopefully be, come along. It needs to be curated too. The last thing I want to do is have a mall of America or American dream e-commerce experience where we're scraping all the different websites of all our participating retailers and just having another site with all this random product. It, right. It, it, you need to shop the season. You need to shop the look. It's um, shoppable. Yeah. And it, and it needs to be a curated experience that's speaking to our consumer. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's what consumers are expecting these mm -hmm. days as well. Um, so they, they want more and you need to give them more. So why do you think no one's tried that yet? Just us two guys talking about malls and you and talking about malls. Like why has I, no one tried this yet? I think the DNA is not there. Okay. It's that simple. I, I think the DNA of the teams hasn't been there. Um, and, uh, to really think about what it looks like and how you go to market with something like that. You're, you're pretty much saying like, how do you spit? Why hasn't anyone spun up a startup within? And, and also their, their planes are flying. Like they're, they're in full throttle. Going. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's, I think the DNA, the focus, the situation, the opportunity, and also all the other things that we spoke about, like, do they really have a brand? Uh, and there are some shopping center developers that launch their own e-commerce. Um, but, uh, I'm curious to know how those are doing, you know? Well, Mark, that's one area I want to ask. It's not just about your team either that's running it, but can I want to shift a little bit and talk yeah. about your relationships with the tenants in these spaces and what are they asking of you um, as they are thinking about opening up? What are you telling them as far as like their, you know, their timelines now? Yeah. What's, what's that interaction been like between you and those tenants? And especially as you think about, what you know american dream as a product or mall of america as a product is going to be working with them to offer in the future yeah so it's, it's a lot it, so one we're we're going through and we're going to make it publicly available soon um what our opening procedures are in okay. terms of what we're doing we're also sharing that same documentation with our tenants in terms of our expectations of what they need to be doing sure um 
there's a lot of questions around um, buying online and picking up and can we provide parking spots specifically for that? Can we help them support for before and after hours? But I think they're also leaning on us a lot to make sure that we're making it a safe place to ensure that they can welcome their guests and their shoppers into their space as well. So we have a fiduciary duty to make sure that our properties are safe um, and welcoming. And then they have a fiduciary duty to, to take it from there in terms of when the customer walks into their store. Um, but we are working hand in hand um, and singing the same, so same song in terms of what we're doing together. Uh, in terms of timing, we're, we're paying attention just like everyone else. Um, a lot of people are asking when we're going to open, when we're going to open. We, we don't know. Um, and uh, we're paying attention to the curve, especially in New York and New Jersey. We're talking to the government officials around what they're thinking. We're working really closely with them. Um, I think the last thing we all want is to open too quickly and then retract. Um, right. I think it's going to take a lot to win the customers to trust us and you have one shot to do that and you want to do it correctly. So I don't want to rush into an opening. Um, and, but I want to do it right for the health of our guests and our, and our team members. Um, so I don't have, I don't have a time. And I think a lot of tenants are asking and a lot of consumers are asking like, when are you going to open? When are you going to open? Um, we don't know yet. Um, but we're paying attention to the curve and hopefully that stays flat and continues to stay flat, which we're seeing in New York, New Jersey. Um, but I will say that the economy needs to open, right? And uh, the government can't keep writing checks to everybody. Um, so I, I know there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we're seeing it in the data. So we're, we're confident and we're excited. And I'm, I think we're just, we need it. We, we're all paying attention to it. Right, right. Are you seeing any, and, and going on to that like tech or that combined platform, that offering that you can give while you are um, keeping them all, or the Keeping American Dream closed specifically, are you seeing any more willingness or like interest in rapid prototyping or doing any kind of testing from the tenants um, than they might have been interested in doing before? Yeah, I, I think like the same way we accelerated things internally, they all, they all are as well. Okay. So the digital roadmap that they may have had um, that was sitting on the side right. is probably front and center now. Sure. Again, that's why I, I want to build the foundation for us today where we can right. onboard our tenants effectively and in a productive environment where they're successful. Because I, I think also when you come out with digital strategies, expectations are high. Um, and if they're not showing the same kind of returns that they would want to see, it's going to be hard to get them to embrace it again. So I really want to make sure that we're betting on the right things and testing and then bringing them on board, um, to show that, Hey, like, look at the return we can create for you. Um, but absolutely we're, I think the tenants and the brands are more willing than ever to embrace technology today than ever. That's a good point too. Yeah. You gotta be really thoughtful about the false positive as you rush to do some of this or yeah. false negative, I should say, as you rush to do some of this experimentation. Um, and that answered one of the questions from Brittany too, in terms of, you know, when can you tell us, you know, the, the mall may reopen. It sounds like it's a, it's a day by day evaluation in terms of what's yeah. going on. Similar question though, from Pete online. Um, and I'll try to wrap this in a, in a certain way, given what you said, but 
as you are looking at when to reopen and how to think about that, is there any advice or lessons you would have for people about the types of things you are looking at to do that successfully? Pete's question is specifically on like different technologies uh, to, to monitor social distancing, for example, yeah. you know, where does that fit in or any other things that might so, be out there for you? So this is an ongoing debate internally, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to make decisions based on panic, if that makes sense. So <laughs> everyone was talking about thermal cameras and, and, in, and infrared and, and, and all these things. And, and I, I think there's just so many unknowns out there. That being said, we are thinking about capacity. We are thinking about how we can control the traffic inside and how, where people are coming from and coming and going. Um, there are things that masks, um, putting a plexi glass and, in front of guest services and where POS um, and transactions are taking place. Um, at American Dream, we do have um, the ability to track um, people coming and going and numbers with heat maps. Um, so I think that's gonna play a critical role in us to understand how to direct people when they're arriving, where they should park. Um, and almost, I almost want to create somewhere where we can show the customers in real time the pulse and the health of American Dream, um, where literally green is healthy, all are welcome, yellow, we're getting closer to red, um, we're at capacity. Um, so these are things that I think the more transparent you are with your guests, um, the better you will be to earn their trust and get them to come to your center. Um, and that's kind, of the, that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it internally and with the team. Yeah, I, lo I love that too, because I think, you know, all this talk about location tracking, whatnot. The, the funny thing about all that is like, that's foundational to omni-channel retailing regardless. It's just to what end are you using it and for why? And so you're right, being very thoughtful about what is the exact right implementation, not just for COVID, but down the line. Because if you're yeah. just focused on infrared heat mapping and things of that nature for that specific use case, yeah. you might miss something. And I also don't want to, I also want to do things that will for sure impact the health of our employees and our guests, like to make sure it's safe. Um, so obviously a lot of people talk about perception, uh, like you need to do the right thing. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. So, and that's what we're about. We want to do the right thing to make sure that the American dream mall of America, Western Mall, are safe and that we can guarantee your safety and not even just for the guests and the shoppers, but also for our team members. Um, and, and I think that's going to be extremely critical. Yeah, absolutely. How you, this, this is a great question, actually. It fits right in. It comes from a fellow Canadian. So the question is, is probably pretty suspect. Uh, a good friend of ours, Carl, here at OmniTalk. How are you then measuring success at the end of the day? How are you going to think about that as a destination? You know, typical measures, legacy per square foot measures. But, you know, how are you I, kind of thinking about this that? It goes back to what I just, I think, trust. Um, and if we can earn the trust of our team members, our employees and our guests and shoppers, uh, I think the rest will come. Um, so if we can, if this is all about trust. You wanna trust the brand that you're working with and you wanna trust the brand that you're interacting with. And if we can do that, we, we will win and prevail. Um, and that's exactly how I'm thinking about it. And that even goes just back into like, why is Warby Parker such a great brand? Um, 
because they built trust with their with their guests and with their shoppers and and uh, I think again especially now trust is more important than anything um, and if we can do that by showing and being transparent and I, I really feel confident that everything else will come after that um, that's kind of what uh, the metric for me is can we gain the trust of our shoppers and our guests and our shop and our employees Mark. As you're thinking about, I want to take us like from COVID, but then as you're, you're thinking about the next iteration of American Dream and where experience centers are going, what does that look like for you? Like, what's the concept car version of these experience <laughs> centers? And what are the components there? You talked a lot about today, like booking experiences online ahead of time and making this more of a destination trip. Um, other technologies that you might implement, whether those are based from, you know, COVID yeah. protection items or not. What, just give us kind of your crystal ball, your vision of what that looks like. I think it needs to be, one, a clear synergy between your digital strategy and your in real life strategy. So uh, again, I, I think like Disney to me is the one company that I really look up to and I just aspire to be like them in terms of what they've done with their digital con with their content. So you look at their content and they put it through a flywheel. They put it into the parks, they put it into the movies, they put it into merchandise, they put it into retail and obviously now they put it into Disney plus. And for me, it's, that's a great case study for us to follow and think about. And obviously we don't have, our own Mickey Mouse character that we own, but we do have great experiences and partners that are doing that. And how can we create the our own flywheel that really brings that all together with our partners and our retailers in the middle, and then and then the surrounding um, flywheel that comes with it. So that's how I think about it. Could I draw that out to you today? Um, maybe not, but I can say that we one flywheel is the amusement park it's the water park it's the food um and then what i what it, what retailer and and partners in the middle can we assign to each of those and then obviously the e-commerce and all those things so i think that's kind of how i'm thinking about it um in terms of how we're going at this that's awesome Mark. and i think you know it's funny the questions are starting to roll in here so i think in the interest of time let's shift over to that maybe take sure. questions for the next like say five to eight minutes um i think one of those is right in line with what you said and this question comes from john you know given the mix of entertainment yeah how do you think COVID 19 is going to affect the theme park attractions going forward or how are you thinking about diversifying that risk i think that's a great, I think that's a great question I, I obviously we're paying attention a lot to what disney's doing um and it, it obviously impacts capacity, right? So long lines, um, people sitting on the rides, um, but can we use data and technology to control the throughput um, into the park, control um, what rides are available when you come in and, and, and almost controlling that itinerary as people come in? Yes, we can. Can we, can we create groups? So we have a morning afternoon group, and then an afternoon evening group um, where we're controlling it. Yes, we can do that. Um, and do we have enough attractions in American Dream where we could spread people throughout the center? We can. So we have a lot of cards to play with 
to make sure that we're one, creating a really safe environment, but also that we can generate the revenues that we need to make this profitable and make this work. So, um, but we are looking at our ticketing platform and we're looking at like how we sell, who we sell to in terms of the quantities and the timing. How do we control when they're coming? And it's a simple question of when do you anticipate to arrive so we can know your arrival time and then we can um, advise you and hold you to where you need to go. And, and maybe that's through technology, not an actual person. Um, welcoming them in the app saying, okay, you can now go in the park and then letting them know what rides they can go to over the course of the following um, hours or, or, or minutes. Um, so we're still thinking about that, but we feel confident that we can, we can create a safe environment, but it obviously will get impacted um, because you can't have 8,000 people in the park at once. Um, so, so that we're, we're still putting all the guidelines around that together though. And I got to imagine that's going to make you better in the long run too. figuring yeah. out just all the complexity of what you said. I mean, that goes to another question that Steven had too, in terms of how you're going to think about that in terms of booking and all the dynamics at play. So. And I think the booking is really important because if, if we can get people to start booking, we know when they're coming. So then we can plan around that um, to make sure the social distancing is happening to make sure that we're not putting everyone in the same pocket. Um, so that, again, I really want to ingrain into our customers and our shoppers and our guests about booking an experience and then making shopping part of that book, your experience, put the names of the stores you want to go visit. Um, and, and I think that, that that's where I think you can get really amazing. Yeah. It's key to personalization. Yeah. 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 Mark, it's like what Chris would say. It's like the remote control for your American dream experience. How much are you, you know, setting up ahead of time and then the flexibility to make those changes on the spot when you're in the actual building? How, how far away are we for that? Or what are some of the things that you feel like need to be put in place in order for something like that to come to reality? You mentioned you guys had an app, but it was too much of a directory to start with. Like what, what does that time horizon look like? So I'm not, I'm not, honestly, I'm not in a rush to push out an app. I think a lot of people get excited about sure. having native oh, iOS or Android app. I, but to answer your question, I know it wasn't focused on the app. It was like, where are we in terms of like actually allowing people to book experiences? I think we're, we're there. Like we, we are, people are booking to come to Nickelodeon. People are booking to come to DreamWorks. Um, we're actually reevaluating our entire ticketing platform today. Um, where we can enable these and where you can book it. Uh, we're going through what our entire website's going to look like in the wireframe. So it's, it's again, COVID is enabling us to accelerate these things. Um, I'm confident that we will come out with these things very soon. Um, and, and when you come to americandream.com, you're going to be booking your experience that you want to do with your family and your loved ones or even by yourself um, right. is really, really exciting. You're not doing that at, with any other shopping center. Um, you're probably not even going to their website. So right. the amount like we have had so hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people coming to our site, unique visitors um, before COVID and booking and coming and seeing what we're doing. So to me, that is, really unique when you compare it to probably traffic of other shopping center developers. For sure. Yeah. And I think about the opportunity, as you were mentioning earlier to once you've learned my preferences, when it comes to entertainment, starting to be able to pull in 
places I've shopped in, in the small area or in retail areas, and then being able to use that as kind of a trigger to curate some of the other experiences yeah. or even products that I might see uh, made available to me when I'm coming in or when I'm booking the appointment for the theme park kind of section of things. So that makes sense. Mark, like, I think uh, to close it up on this, I think one question that I definitely want to, I think we definitely want to ask you is, you know, you are in a unique spot. I mean, you're right in the epicenter of this whole thing. You're building something. You were already building something fresh from the ground up right in that very space. Not everyone gets that vantage point, quite honestly, across this country or even in the world. So what is one piece of advice you'd have for everybody going forward at, that's in the industry that's trying to navigate all yeah. these questions that we just talked about? I think um, I'm, a, I'm a big cultural person with the team. And I think if any of my team members are listening, they would agree. Um, I think the biggest thing is focus on your team and the people around you. Um, and I think if you can get them all to kind of collaborate together on how you do this and how you come out of this, um, you have nothing better than your team and the people around you. So I, I, I think that that's what I'm trying to do. That like we have a daily stand up with everybody that's active at 4:30 every day. Um, and I have learned so much about so many of my team members that I probably would never have learned if we were in the normal days of coming to the office. Um, and so many great ideas and collaborative ideas have come out of that. Mm -hmm. um, so what I would say is, is double down on your team. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you kind of, I always say hands together, when you're kind of holding hands together, you're, you're much stronger. So I think that's kind of where I would leave off with that is double down on the team. Mm -hmm. take risks and, and take, and don't worry about if some of the ideas fail. Um, you got to try and iterate, try and iterate. And that's kind of where I would leave it. I think that's great advice to close up. I think as a former, as a former store district manager, a former store, of the future designer, I think as I look at everything right now, if you are designing things with the employee in mind, first and foremost, chances are whatever you're designing is going to follow from that vein for the consumer too. And everyone's going to be in a lot better place. I think it's something that all, all retail operations got to keep uh, front and center right now. So yeah, that's very inspirational. So, Hey man, thanks so much for doing this. It was a blast. That thing went by fast and <laughs> questions were coming. I think we had more people coming on as we were going. So nice job uh, as well, fielding all the questions. And again, Mark Ramazian, the co-CEO of American Dream. This has been a special OmniTalk Spotlight Series feature. For those of you that want this interview, both on podcast and uh, the video as well, if you haven't signed up yet for OmniTalk, go to omnitalk.blog. We will be sending out this interview shortly, both the audio and the video format. So be sure to get that. If you aren't signed up, tell your friends. And of course, as always, as we say each and every episode, be careful out there.